Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to Puma Podcast. It's 2017 and the trending news portal website was shoved into our consciousness after it made it on two lists. The first list was made by Raptor. It was cited as the main source of news shared by political blogger and so-called fake news queen, Moka Uson. And the second was a list by the Catholic Bishops' Conference of the Philippines as one of the websites carrying fake or unverified content. In January 2019, Trending News Portal was traced back to Twinmark and it was exposed that Twinmark was responsible for inauthentic coordinated behavior. 220 Facebook pages, 73 Facebook accounts, 29 Instagram accounts were all working together amplifying disinformation and propaganda. They were deplatformed off of Meta's platforms. And a month later, ABS-CBN journalist Warren de Guzman authored an exciting, award-winning investigation that captured whistleblowers detailing the inner workings of this shady marketing firm. Hello, I'm Jonathan Ong, disinformation researcher and professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and Harvard University. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Catch Me If You Can, where we take a deep dive into the world of online trolls and talk to personalities involved in influence operations on social media. In this episode, we do a little throwback to one of the most exceptional journalistic investigations in the Philippines' disinformation economy. We ask, what were the circumstances that led to the takedown of Twinmark's network of accounts? And did we learn the right lessons from this investigation? So Jonathan, when did you first hear of Twinmark? So I definitely heard about Twinmark because it was a high-profile announcement that came from Facebook itself that they were taking down this network of accounts. They made this announcement back in January 2019. And if you recall, that's a very tense period because it was leading up to the midterm elections of May 2019, right? So everyone was already monitoring social media, monitoring fake news. The terms fake news queens and fake news bloggers were very popular. So talagang binabantayan namin ito. And then... Facebook made this big announcement that you know they were successful in tracing a network of over 200 Facebook accounts and other private pages as well, and they were deplatformed off Facebook. And this became an even bigger news item when a month after Facebook 
revealed that it had taken down this network of accounts, there was a follow-up investigation that also went viral, but also made mainstream media headlines on TV Patrol. It was on primetime news. When Warren de Guzman of ABS-CBN discussed exactly how much money was being made and, and it was millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the ABS-CBN data analytics team found that Twinmark earned over 1.5 million US dollars from May to December in 2017. It was a digital marketing enterprise set up just for that, just to earn money, to earn millions at that And it's quite interesting that this story fell on the lap of Warren de Guzman and also you because back then, or at least at that point, I've always seen these clickbait machines as a sort of propaganda machine. But for Twinmark, it was just really for digital marketing. I'm a journalist. I work for ABS-CBN. I've been with them for... uh... 17 years now. Yeah, it's been a, it's a long time. I generally do business news. I've done a lot of journalist work, uh, sports, poverty, uh, and data, more recently data, with Edson Guido, um, who's the head of our data analytics at ABS-CBN. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what I do. Uh, just a old-fashioned reporter. Yeah, I wanted to ask Warren, um, since how you got assigned to this monumental, exciting story, you mentioned the beats um, that you're usually part of. So what got you involved in this Twinmark case? Yeah, so when we were looking at that, uh, it was actually, we were looking at it from a business perspective. We were seeing how social media was affecting the economy and we wanted to see how the money was being made. And this particular story, though, actually practically fell into my lap because I'm a, a friend of mine had actually been involved with the company. Of course, he wanted to remain anonymous. Um, but yeah, he basically informed me about what was going on. And it was really lucky uh, because we were trying to look at how social media was disrupting business. And at the time, when we were looking at the uh, information that was provided, turned into also a data story. And we were just actually beginning the uh, data team of ABS-CBN. Uh, we were able to uh, obtain from, from our sources within a Twinmark a lot of uh, receipts and uh, spreadsheets. Of, you know, the, there was a lot of information there, a lot of names that we had to vet, a lot of numbers. And the, the totals that came out were, were really mind-boggling, considering how much money these, uh, these individuals were making. Millions of dollars, actually. Yeah, so linapitan si Warren ng mga whistleblowers. Kaya niya na-expose yung inner workings and na-review niya yung financials ng kompanya. And that's why this is a really exceptional story because most, you know, disinformation investigations and news articles are often focused on what disinformers claim that was factually inaccurate. Diba? That's the style of most disinformation reporting. It's sinabi niya mali. 
this person is lying or this person is misleading. And this is why it's mostly about correcting other people's claims and exaggerations or misleading statements. But Warren was actually able to piece together how it all worked, how money is being made, how people are monetizing and earning from disinformative news articles, but not purely just political articles, diba? His investigation exposed how this digital marketing firm, kaya sila sobrang kumita, is marami din sila mga entertainment website, mga sexy scandals na... Yeah, sa kanila nanggaling pala yung kay Cesar Montano. Yung screenshot na may, may photos si Cesar Montano tapos may babae sa likod niya na apparently naked. Twin mark yun eh. <laughs> So sila ang kumita talaga sa tinatawag nating clickbait news content. Diba? Yung parang very um, attractive and seductive headline, pero hindi pa rin reveal and mapapaklik ka dun sa website. Yeah, just to give an example rin of um, what that looks like. I'm looking at Meta's news about it. In one of the articles that they traced back to Twinmark, is this article from Daily News PH. Na nga eh, Daily News PH. And then the post goes, Oh, ganun pala. Naku po. Tapos yung headline, nakasulat lang. From newsgearph.info, Prominent journalist, Yellows invented the use of anonymous detractors years ago. Like, bleep. Yun. That's how they usually get you to click on these articles. And that's how they earn their money. In fact, according to Warren's report, Twin Mark earned as much as $100,000 in a month from their Facebook page just on clicks alone from Facebook's now defunct Instant Articles. So these are news articles that users could read without going out of the platform. So when we were looking at it from the business news perspective, and that's what it really was, the people who were involved they didn't really care about the content that they were putting out. They just cared about how much money they were generating using these social media accounts, the money they were getting from Facebook and from Google through those instant articles and AdSense. Uh, you know, it was just a, a business for them. When Twinmark was trending, Mocha Uson was trending as well. How was she linked to all of this, Jonathan? Back in 2019, Sikat na sikat si Mocha Uson, and also notorious si Mocha Uson. And the label we used to describe her back then was the fake news queen. I, I did not coin this, but other journalists did. And netizens would use fake news queen to shame Mocha Uson. And the observation of you know news sites like Rappler was that it looks quite suspicious how Mocha would often include a link to trending news portal every time she would post on her Facebook page. So, naging usap-usapan na Mocha Uson's favorite website is trending news portal. And, of course, compared to legacy outlets, you know, like a CNN, Rappler, like ABS-CBN, sino na nga ba ang trending news portal? So, I think those were the questions that were on top of people's minds back in 2019. And there's an assumption that Mocha Uson, given her prominent role in the Duterte machinery, if you recall, she occupied an official government position within the presidential 
Communications Office. Her role was Assistant Secretary. Yung assumption ng mga tao is may top-down coordination na nangyayari. Diba? Na parang si Duterte would have a particular position, responsibility ni Mocha, ipakalat ito, and baka itong trending news portal is something that she herself operates. And they were paying these people because of the, the traffic that was going into their Facebook pages or their social media pages or their, their Google AdSense sites. And it's it was really mind-boggling because also at that time, there was really no regulation. You know, uh, you look at, at what the media was or the statements of, the, of Google and Facebook regarding this at that time. And do you think this was all intuition or do you think the platforms were also in on it? Like, were they telling them how the algorithms were changing or talaga bang magaling yung team ng Twinmark? There are people paid to do this. You know, in agencies, you know, SEO companies, there are people who are paid to do this. So it'd be easy to go out there and look for somebody who can do that. That's my point, you know. As an SEO in itself is an industry right now. There's so many uh, pages out there offering free training for SEO. But one thing actually that was very noteworthy for me uh, regarding the, the contacts and the people we, we spoke with with, with Twin Marcos. They were actually graduates from good schools, you know, good schools here in Metro Manila, actually the top universities here in the Philippines. And they were being paid enough for them to do this work. Here we're bringing in Alex. That's not her real name. And we added filters to her voice to protect her. I joined Twinmark six months before they were turned down by Facebook. What happened then was I was recruited by one of my friends inside. Research manager meaning she nagahanap ng mga articles or mga subjects sa articles na sinisulat nila. So what they do is they scour internet, like mainly Facebook, and look for anything in controversial, interesting, na isasulat nila as an article. So I was recruited by her simply because I was a fresh grad and didn't know what to do. What motivated them to sort of rebrand? You did say this was around 2018 ka ni-recruit. For one thing, they know na Facebook is trying to look at them. So that's why they're trying to fix it a little bit. Na parang, okay, nagiging, especially after the third, nagiging mainit yung issue of fake news. Let's try to, like, low-key or chill for a bit, right? Parang, we don't want them behind our backs. So that's one thing. And also, because they're growing, like, their income is really growing high. So they need someone else to actually fix this, give some organization to this whole thing. That's why they added this, you know, like, professionals, the consultants. Kasi nga, use in the structure since they're going really big. So, bakit nga ba nadamay ito si Alex? Yung interpretation namin dito is there's a cat and mouse game being played by Twinmark and also by journalists and Facebook itself trying to monitor this network of fake news sites. So, nagiging kilala na, nagiging notorious na itong trending news portal na associate na siya kay Mocha Uson as a fake news bloggers and fake news queens favorite website. And therefore, mas may potential na ma-deplatform 
itong very financially lucrative website na ito. They're trying to bring in um, this new talent to professionalize their systems, to diversify their content, to make sure that they survive any potential deplatforming or fact-checking initiative done by platforms and done by journalists. So that's my interpretation here. And like the interviews that I had conducted um, together with some of these whistleblowers, that's how they justified themselves, that they were the good guys, quote-unquote, brought in by the bad guys, the twins behind Twin Mark, the Hikban brothers, na sila yung magpapalinis, na gagawin nilang above board itong digital marketing firm and its shady operations. Obviously, let's be realistic about it, we think that's a justification, diba? Na parang you would want to consider yourself as a good guy. Obviously, they're in it for the money too. And to what extent we can trust their own account, na they're the good guys here, we actually don't have enough evidence that they're able to justify na ito lang yung ginawa namin and what we did was all the above board properly factual content while there's a black ops group doing the dirty work, right? Like obviously, they're still earning from the entire enterprise which is predicated on clickbait. And it could have worked, but then it didn't. (laughs) Facebook still saw through it. And that wasn't the reason why they were removed, diba, John? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't because they were churning out fake news content. It was because of the inauthentic behavior that they were doing on Facebook. Tama ba? What tripped up Facebook was the inauthentic coordinated behavior of these websites when multiple sites kept on reposting the exact same headline all at the same time. So they became too greedy and too obvious. They revealed that these sites were all connected with one another and how simultaneous, how instantaneous they would be sharing all at the same time the exact same content. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One thing that was unique actually to Twinmark when we spoke with them is um, how they mobilized uh, their so-called troll farms. But we were told that there weren't any, um, at least in their organization, there weren't any troll farms, any formal troll farms. What they would do was they would just simply go into small internet cafes, far-flung areas in Metro Manila, where you you could buy internet service for maybe 10, 20 pesos an hour. 
and they would just, you know, announce to the room that they would pay for their internet for the rest of the night. All they have to do is to type out these words or these phrases or, or you know, jam a, a certain website or, or a certain Twitter post with, with this kind, with these kinds of uh, tweets and, and posts. It was, it was very simple. You know, it was very simple for them to mobilize a so-called troll army without having to, to keep them in their employ. Because, you know, uh, again, in these areas where people have to go to internet cafes to, to pay for internet, they really, you know, they welcome free internet. So this was a crafty way of mobilizing a group of people to make something go viral. At matipid siya. You'd think that a company that's earning millions of dollars from its clickbait enterprise would invest more in these teams. But apparently, that's not the case. Even their team of hired social media managers and writers weren't getting paid enough to do their job. Here's Alex. It was actually a a very evident culture class. I remember that because I was stuck in the middle. Like, I was trying to understand and and develop camaraderie with the old people. Because I I respect that they're there and also I sit with them. And then, tapos, I also see the other one, the educated ones, literally literally behind glass doors. They're the team working inside glass offices while those the others are like in the middle tapos nandun nagta-type lang sila walang division wala silang serening table they're all just sharing this one large table meanwhile the others are like they, they have their own offices with divided tables and and stuff and it was it was amusing because it was really a clash. I remember them just not really getting along to each other. Well, they're they're civil, pero alam mo yung parang they're avoiding other people because parang ah hindi kami hindi parang langis at tubig yung Mm-mm. connection nila. May resentment ba? Wala no resentment. It's just that they're kind of mm, div- just really divided. Also, I remember that those issues na parang exploitation of the of their workers like a good example is actually even my own experience i started there with only i think 10k or 13k per month in salary and i was like it was okay for me that time because as i said i was a fresh cat where i didn't really know what a, a good salary was like i have no baseline and then when sir found out about this he was like he was the one who actually pushed for a, a raise na sabi nila na it, it should be higher it should be at least minimum so when they it's not only just my case there were other people na sinabay nila on my case na parang these people should actually have a minimum wage and I remember that time it became an issue because yun nga yung parang other other people na didn't complete high school were also experiencing lower income despite na yung pinuproduce nila for the company was actually millions. So these operations are not exactly new to us, no? Jonathan, we've been hearing about this for quite some time. And so what do you find interesting about Winmark, about this investigation? So if you look at most popular journalism around this info, they're focused mostly on the content. They're focused mostly on 
calling out the false claims of influencers, of bloggers, of disinformers. Um, they're focused on what this vlogger said that's factually inaccurate or historically revisionistic, right? But ito, it's not so much about what was said, but it's about the financial incentives. I feel like it's also because it's so easy to stereotype these people, the personalities involved in the shady world of online disinformation. Like, it makes for a good story. For more journalists, I suppose if we talk about this one person who turned into a fanatic or this one person who believes and consumes only fake news, and then we point it back to their educational background. It's that kind of narrative, siguro, that sells or that's easy to consume for our readers. But if you take out all of that and remove the veil, so to speak, of the so-called fanaticism or the fact that they were just uninformed, you can see that it's really about money. And it's much harder to report on money. It's much harder to examine the political economy of how these enterprises work without the hard evidence. Warren was fortunate enough to get the receipts. He was fortunate enough to have whistleblowers who were willing to participate and to show him the data. And that's not always at hand. That's not always something that falls on our laps. And even when it does, even when whistleblowers do come to us with their stories, we of course have to take it with a grain of salt. Because we'd always ask them as journalists, why are you doing this? Why are you speaking out now? So what do you think is Alex's motivation to come to our podcast? I think Alex was used to it at this point. It wasn't her first interview. But unlike the interview she had with Warren, she wanted to speak on her own. She wasn't asked by her managers to participate. And I did appreciate that and I did see it. She was a good storyteller and she clarified a lot of things for us. But I do get the sense that maybe... I mean, I don't want to speak for Alex, but it might have been sort of part of her redemption arc. Because bringing back Alex's background, she was a sociology student in a well-known university. And she did tell us that one of her professors mm. was studying this information. So she mm. knew what the industry was. She <laughs> knew what she was getting herself into. And I guess she just wanted to redeem herself in that way by being brave enough to participate in an investigation like Warren's. Mm -hmm. Pero feel ko magkaiba sila ng motivation ng kanyang mga boss. No, Jonathan? So, they were the ones who were booted out. So, once nagkat after na-take down yung accounts, so obviously there was a big split within the company. They didn't know what to do next. The Hickman brothers packed up and left. In a way, they left behind itong mga recent hires who were supposedly hired to professionalize the company. So, Nag-away-away nag sila at that point. And I'm sure like those resentments play into the motivation of blowing the whistle, of continuing to expose the story. But I also think, you know, it's a valid question of ano nga ba yung um, repercussions? Ano nga ba yung consequences after the takedown, after the investigation, after we've learned that millions of dollars were earned by, you know, this digital marketing firm for inauthentic coordinated behavior and outright, you know, false news. Um, actually, mukhang walang repercussions. Wala tayong natutunan. 
So, I wanted to ask about consequences and whether you think Twin Mark suffered real consequences with a takedown. Okay, th- that's actually interesting because I remember that topic that during that time. Now, the only reason we got penalized like that, you know, cease and desist order, was that because Facebook is trying to make a case now, oh, by the way, we're doing something about it. Mm-mm. Okay, it's just like the least of what they can do. But did they actually penalize, you know, Twin Mark? Not really. They didn't stop at all. They just turned off those accounts. Pero they didn't stop them from making new ones. So if they want to create new accounts, no one would gonna stop them because there's no system there yet to stop them from doing that. What should the consequences have been? So, very practically speaking, I think what Warren, other disinformation researchers like myself who track this story closely, we were at the very least hoping that legislators get involved in terms of actually pinning down the layers of responsibility and accountability. And here, obviously, the Hickman brothers, but also some of the people we know the people Warren and I know personally, shouldn't they have been called for proper hearings and investigations? Shouldn't it have also triggered some industry-level regulation of digital marketing firms who also operate websites, who also operate within this kind of clickbait enterprise on the internet? So, yun yung basic ask namin and wala tayong nakitang ganun di ba parang we've still continued to report on disinformation as false content it's still just about fact checking people it's still about you know possibly threatening cyber libel on disinformers but on individuals not on you know organizations or triggering something industry level so, dun kami na kukulangan, and that's what's so disempowering about all of this. And he was also pretty disappointed then with the public reception. You know, um, it's not that no, no lessons were learned; it's that maybe the wrong lessons were learned. So we'll bring in Warren to talk about this. The the response to the stories that came out on ANC and and uh, TV Patrol. It was about, as you know, what you would expect. People were just surprised at the money. They were surprised with how much money was being earned. And, you know, it just makes, <laughs> it makes you feel uh, you know, disappointed all over again that, you know, it's, the, the reaction was the public would say that if they had any idea that that was going on and you could earn that kind of money, they would do it too, you know? So, <laughs> Yeah, I think the last thing Warren wanted, and of course you wanted out of this piece, right? It's for people to see it as a model, as a sort of inspiration on how they can also earn $100,000 in a month. But I think that might have been what it did with at least how Warren's explaining or describing the public reception that it received. Because at the end of the day, Jonathan, like all of these tools are still there. 
like definitely if anyone wanted to create a digital marketing enterprise like the Hickman brothers did and they were just in their 20s mind you but if we wanted them to become an inspirational story they could easily have been one from rags to riches na yeah I'm, we're in our 20s we knew how these how these instant articles worked we understand clickbait we understand the language we get the pulse of the people online and we can easily do this. So that's what they've done. I think uh, Meta calls it inauthentic behavior, but they were definitely cheating the system. They, they were using their knowledge of social media and the platforms and how Facebook and Google measures uh, traffic to aid them in, in calculating the, the payouts. So, so it was very calculated. I'm just surprised that it was, it was so effective. How come they got to pull it off? And I'm pretty sure other pages would try. But for some reason, they earned a lot more than the other pages did. Yeah. uh, I mean, until now, I really don't uh, have a clear uh, understanding of how the the monetization works, you know. there's, and I think it's always changing anyway, you know. So it, it would be, it, it actually would be a, a profession for, to, to just uh, keep tabs on what's going on in terms of, of the monetization. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> Honestly, I don't think we learned the right lessons from the Twinmark case. We focused on platform bans. We focused on this exceptional network of hundreds of accounts. But I don't think we truly understood the incentive and reward structures baked into social media platforms and the commercial infrastructure of the web itself. Diba? Na parang they create these very easy, easily manipulated incentive structures for any bad faith actor to actually earn money from. And I think the rest of the episodes that we have for this season, we will still be hearing from people who are so savvy in terms of manipulating the ad infrastructure of YouTube, for example. And we'll continue to look into the personal and commercial motivations of other influence operators on this podcast. Again, I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. And I'm Jonathan Ong. Follow me on Twitter at Jonathan underscore C underscore Ong. This episode was edited by Joe Salcedo. Follow Catch Me If You Can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have suggestions or comments for the show, we'd love to hear them. Maybe you also want to be a guest on the show and share your story. Maraming salamat po. Maraming salamat po.